You're listening to DraftKings Network. God bless football, Billy Gill. God bless football, Mike Yeh. God bless football, Mike Golick. God bless football, one and all. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Mike, how was your first Super Bowl? I mean. Let me tell you. I, you know, I, I, in all honesty, I wouldn't even talk about the game because I enjoyed the experience so much. You know, uh, there's suites that are that are field level right behind, and as I was walking around the stadium, you see all the Hall of Famers, you see other media people. I saw Jim Brown. You know, I mean, it's just star amongst star around that. Listen, once the game started, the game was a game. You know, then I'm watching as a field analyst, you know, and talking to Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner, you know, during it to, to discuss things. But, I mean, the halftime show, I, I was that was the one beautiful thing about being on the sideline. I was yeah. front and center for that. It was fantastic. And I had my fun before the game when The Rock went out and was given his – his hype speech, which is amazing to me that the kickoff and kickoff return team are on the field, and he's given a hype speech as they're ready to start the game. That looked very cool, and as he came off the field, now The Rock's been on when I was at ESPN, a couple of, my show a couple of times, and he stopped and we actually chatted for a little bit. Um, oh, you know, I know. Yeah, I know. so that was... Don't get me started, Bill. I mean, greatest was, uh, day of your life. Uh, uh, listen... I love the guy. I mean, I don't know him that well, obviously, outside of being on the show. But, I mean, I like what he's doing. You know, he's one of those guys that every story I hear about him is a good story, that he's a good guy. I've Every interaction I've had with him has been great. He is a beast, without question. I mean, my God. But, but in all honesty, you know, we talked about most because, you know, I was a 10th rounder, fortunate enough to play in the league for nine years. As he has said in his story, he never played. You know, my son Mike made it to a few camps, but unfortunately never had a career there. Is and I was I was I was genuinely happy that he was taken over the XFL um, because it, it can be a great league for guys like Rock who never made it in, like Mike who never got you know onto that roster because the difference of you know the last ten spots on a roster and the first ten guys on the other side of it that were the last cuts is minimal. So this XFL, and, and he's one that could maybe make it work because everything he touches turns to gold, can give other players an opportunity. So in all honesty, that was kind of the gist of our conversation. Seeing what The Rock has accomplished after not making it to the NFL and seeing what Mike Jr. has accomplished thus far after not making it to the NFL, <laughs> a bit of an underachiever? Feel free to call Billy an asshole, too. Why? I no, I'm just you. saying. Look, well, listen. <laughs> all I'm saying is if if Mike Jr. follows the blueprint set by The Rock, he could be one of the biggest stars ever. And we're not really on that track right now. He hasn't even been a wrestler yet. So, like, what are we doing? Uh, you know what? I'm going to let you discuss that with Mike, which I'm yeah. sure you'll have plenty of opportunity to do. We, we were we well, were talking about this when we were, when we were doing Sorry in Advance, and that's the one thing Jake – Jake played at Notre Dame, but Jake had the back surgeries and the broken arm and the injuries. He never got uh, he never got even a chance at the next level. And, th- and that's when he said, well, me and The Rock, you know, have something in common. Neither one of us, you know, got to the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very well done with Sorry in Advance. That is your family's podcast. Yes. Mike Jr. is a part of that. Uh, yes. And you released an episode this week, did you not? Uh, yes, we did. We talk about stupidest arguments you ever have had in your life. And there are some really, really dumb ones. <laughs> in there I love without that. question we talk about Mike 
uh, leaving uh, ESPN, right. and and then all the Super Bowl experience where I name dropped the Rock and and had a front row for again. I, what did you guys think of the of the halftime? I, I listen. I thought. Oh, I loved it. Mike, I but it was, it was in my fantastic. wheelhouse. That was right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. You know. Just loved it. I mean, I thought it was a, the the the. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it's all on your on your You're playlist. You're so full of shit. Yeah, you no, are. No, 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 time shit. out. Come Dr. On. Dre, Snoop, The Chronic, growing up in the '80s and '90s. Come well, on, that we is stuff. Yeah, that 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 is our era. But I was a little. They said there was going to be a surprise, and seeing Fifty Cent hanging up down uh, upside down was a little bit of a surprise. And yeah. and I know the jokes. You look like seventy five cent. I get it. So yes, yeah. Yeah. even a salad. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that, Billy. Well, he, well he's in the club, it. huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, are you buying into all this Matthew Stafford is suddenly a Hall of Famer shit? Because I, to me, it, it, it's a bunch of nonsense to me. So I, I said this in all the interviews I did during Super Bowl week of people asking me if he wins us, is he a Hall of Famer? He's the same quarterback he was in Detroit. Listen, he put up monster numbers in Detroit. He didn't have a team around him. So by game eight, they were already out of the playoff hunt. So he's just – and then everybody calls him a compiler. Well, what the f*** else is he supposed to do? The team's not a playoff team. Is he supposed to stop passing and trying to win games? So he has a lot of numbers to his name. And now he goes to the Rams, and he's got a hell of a team around him. And they make it to the Super Bowl. And they win. You know, a great drive they had at the end of the game. Listen, it wasn't the greatest offensive experience overall in the game for either team. For either team. But, you know, he came up with the drive when he needed to, the pass when he needed to. So I am so tired of that narrative of you have to start counting Super Bowls for quarterbacks when they're one-third of the team. They're offense. They don't play defense. They don't play special teams. It's unfair to and both positive and negative to put that on them of how many Super Bowls did you win? I'm okay with with the rings being a part of the equation. Of course, everyone who's listened to me knows that. But here's my problem, and Peter King said it. Matthew Stafford went to football hell. Yeah, and I'm like, well, so did Joe Burrow. Mike yes. Cincinnati is football hell. And if you're truly great, like Joe Burrow is, okay, if you're a Hall of Famer, you'll take football hell and you'll get it all the way to the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford couldn't do that with Calvin Johnson in Detroit. Couldn't yeah. Do it. Had to go to L.A. to get it done. Joe Burrow got sacked on the year 70 times, including the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. and was three points away. I thought they were going to get that tying, uh, you know, field goal. They were getting close to McPherson's range, but the fourth and one, Aaron Donald makes a great play. I thought it was going to overtime. He did that being the most sacked quarterback. So he found a way. He found a way. And, you know, I, I, I don't put all the blame on Stafford in Detroit. Right. Just like I'm not going to give all the glory to Joe Burrow to get in there. Now, he gets a lot of it, no doubt about it. He's a great quarterback. But I'm also, from Stafford's side of it, I'm not going to say, well, they didn't reach the playoffs of the Super Bowl because of Stafford. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly he's part of the team there, but it wasn't a very good team. No, it wasn't. If you're the Bengals, you draft uh, ten offensive linemen next year, right? Uh, forget draft. <laughs> forget draft. They they have they have cap space, man, and there's going to be some guys yes, on the market. Right. So yep. I, you would draft one or two, but I would get if I were them at least two free agents. And I know Zach Taylor said our line is good enough. He's saying the right thing as a coach should say right after you win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But every one of those offensive linemen knows they're going to be looking <laughs> over their shoulder. Except Did he watch the last drive? I, I mean, my God. I mean, it's. <laughs> Just, it's just horrific of what Joe had had to go through. So, yeah, there'll be plenty of tinkering with that old line. You need five offensive linemen, so you're not going to replace all five. So he's got to make sure he says the right thing so the one or two that stay yes. think, oh, 
Those guys were the problem. You'll find out, Mikey. (laughs) You'll know soon enough which ones aren't good. Tony Baselli's going to join us. He finally made it into the Hall of Fame. I called you after the Super Bowl to ask you how the Super Bowl was, and your only response to me was, Tony Baselli brought me a cupcake. (laughs) Well, it was. I saw him right before the game, and he's sitting there with like a gin and tonic or whatever he was drinking, and he was saying, I like it where I'm sitting more than where you're standing because he had done it five times. He had done... He had done exactly what I was doing, and I was taking his spot because he was now in the Hall of Fame, sitting with all the Hall of Famers. So uh, he told me, he said, wait till after the game. Let me know how your legs and your back feel. So, and, and he was right about that, but he did. At halftime, all of a sudden, they're getting ready to do the show, and I'm like, shit, I'm, I'm hungry and a little thirsty, and I know I can't get you know a drink drink you know, sitting there on the sidelines, but all my stuff was right there in front of the, the Hall of Famer suite, and I'm like, hey, Tony. I look back there. I said, "There's a bunch of good-looking chocolate cupcakes back there. How about, uh, how about you know, get one for your boy here?" <laughs> and he did. He went and got it for me. So that was very nice of him. <laughs> it's a Hall of Fame friend right there. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> Let's get to the Hall of Famer, uh, my friend, and uh, I'll be making the introduction speech when he goes to Canton. Uh, it is Tony Baselli. God Bless Football is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code DAN for a special offer. When you sign up, that's code DAN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, there he is, a Hall of Famer. Wow, wow, he he graced us with his time. What's up? I mean, listen, you look different. (laughs) Still hungover. Yeah, Yeah, that's true, too. But no help from you, uh, Stugat. Woody, Tony, we did it. (laughs) (laughs) We did it. It's the least thing. I mean, you, you are allergic to working, and this is the least amount of work you've ever done. Listen, Mikey A will attest to this, okay? I peppered Peter King when we had him on Stupidity, and I said, get that man into the Hall of Fame. And Peter King heard me loud and clearly, okay? Because he got he helped get you in to the Hall of Fame. And then I had a conversation off air with Tony Khan about getting you into the Hall of Fame, and he connected me with Alex Marvez, and then boom, you're in the Hall of Fame. How about that? I don't know what Marvez is. It's all you. It's all you. Thank you. Tony, let me just tell you, when he says he peppered Peter King, he said, Peter King, Tony Baselli belongs in the Hall of Fame. And Peter said, absolutely. <laughs> End of discussion. <laughs> that was it. Peter was already on your side. Yeah. Stu oh, did yeah. absolutely nothing. I know exactly how little work Stu does in his life. And uh, <laughs> and, it, and as soon as there's like, if anyone would have disagreed, Stu would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I agree. He does more. <laughs> <laughs> Stu, Stu is absolutely the king of taking credit for somebody else's work. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah. No doubt. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on, Tony. I mean, that's it. Listen, we have finally reached our goals. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, our goals. Yeah. I've always yeah. wanted to be a Hall of Famer, Tony. Now I am. <laughs> the bigger, the bigger question, Golik, is your have your knees and back recovered from doing sidelines at the so. Super Bowl? So I'm I'm doing the sideline. Tony used to do that, and and so I was doing the sideline. And and there, the Hall of Famer suite was right at field level, right behind where all my all my stuff was, which by the way looked like from a game viewing standpoint looked horrific, horribly bad seats. Right, Tony? I mean, you can't. Yeah, no. The setup was awesome. The food, you know, drinks. Yeah, yeah. People, that was awesome. I would not. I, like I can't imagine paying if you like bought a suite at that stadium to watch football. You can't see anything. You had to watch the screen 
or yeah, not. I would, I, guys, I would maintain the people who are in the suites, uh, regardless of the sight lines, they're not really there for the football game. Like, business is being conducted in those suites, no? Yeah, but but for the Super Bowl, I mean, like, I went, I left for about an hour, went up to the uh, Sean Conn suite, the owner suite, and he was at, like, the 45, level four, Right, and we you could watch the game. It was amazing. The suite was really cool, and the view was great. I mean, I like watching football, and uh, <laughs> that's not if you like watching football. The field level suites probably aren't the best place to do. It. <laughs> to your point, Tony, my legs and back were killing me after that. Tony said I was he's and I, he was obviously in a much better spot when you get to put on a gold jacket than walking the sidelines of a of a Super Bowl. Listen, I did five Super Bowls. I loved it. At the end of the day, the reason I didn't, you know, I wanted to experience the whole Hall of Fame stuff. Plus, my body just, I'm like, this is brutal. It's not so much like the three hours of the game. Right. That's fun. It's the three hours that you're there before in pregame. And it's the hour and a half of postgame. It's seven and a half, eight hours of on your feet, which maybe for the average person is great. But at my size and uh, health of joints, it's painful. I was always used to. The last bus. I get. I got to a game two hours before the game. Now my old line brother and I don't know how you were. You were Tony. Oh, we four went, hours. Oh first, my God. First bus. Slacker Golic. Listen, <laughs> I had the the old lineman Ron Heller and his whole group of guys. They didn't even wait for the first bus. They we had pregame meal at like seven in the morning for a one o'clock game. They took cabs over because no buses ran that early. I would literally walk in at eleven and they'd have their lowers on. They're spatted up. Their their fingers and wrists are taped. I'm like, holy shit! I'm like, how can you be that? You know, and the tape is so tight. Your hands are already turning purple, and it's two hours before the game. I don't know how you guys did that, Tony, but it was all O linemen all the time. Well, I actually took a cab most games. My favorite story is, so we wouldn't go to pregame. We'd go to breakfast at the hotel before and get a cab and go. And then I'd go shower at the stadium, drink coffee. <laughs> I'd take a nap at the stadium. But the best was, so Tom Coughlin, though, he would he did like pregame meal old school. Everyone had to be at pregame at the same time. It wasn't just like an open door, come and go as you please. And you had to come in, you know, set a prayer or whatever. Uh, and did the whole thing. So we would sh- we would eat before, show up, and would w- you know walk in, you know check in, and leave a minute later. So after like several weeks of doing this, my rookie year, I get a fine letter in my locker, and I'm like, what the hell did I do? And I read the I read the fine. I got fined for not spending enough time at the pregame meal. Seriously, <laughs> yep. And Coughlin, exactly. <laughs> And I went into his office, and I was a rookie, so I was a little—I was actually afraid to say too much. But a couple of the other old linemen who did this with me, and we argued our point. And he said, "I don't care. You have to eat something at pregame meal." So then we'd go in, and we would go get a banana, eat a banana, sit down for three minutes instead of one minute, and then leave. And uh, that checked the box. But yeah, I like to get in there early, but not wow. to stand around on the sideline. I like to get there early just to. Get my mind right. Because here's the difference, Gold, between the O-line and you D-linemen. There was zero pressure on you guys. If you made one play during the game, you were a hero. And so I would be really loose and relaxed, too, if I just had to make one out of 70 plays. Where on, the, <laughs> on our side of it, if I had one bad play out of 70, everyone thought I was a dog. And so a little different mentality going into the games between the offensive and defensive linemen. 
Listen, Plus you're you, lining up next to Reggie White, Golick. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Reggie White on one side, Jerome Brown on the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Guess, guess who was getting the single team? And, and listen, there were there were a lot of times, Tony, I struggled to make that one out of 70 plays. But I, 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 I did bring that up, as you well know, in covering the Super Bowl, you talked to the players. Yeah. I talked to Jalen Ramsey a few days before the game in the meetings, and I did say, I said, they could pass the ball 35 times, Aaron Donald could get one or two sacks and three pressures, and it's considered MVP-type performance, which, by the way, he had. As a DB, if you have those kind of stats, five really good plays on 35 passes, you're going to get cut. So, you know, it is. And for you, O-linemen, it's even worse. You could play 68 great plays, give up a sack fumble and a bad pressure, and you look like, oh, my God, that guy's a dog. (laughs) No, you're right. And I I always thought, like, especially the system that we had in Jacksonville where we didn't slide. Like, my job in Leon Searcy at tackle, we were one-on-one with the defensive end the whole game. I mean, it was just like, hey, you go block them. Now, mentally it was easy. It wasn't hard to figure out my assignment. Right. But – and I always compared with what I had to do as a left tackle to a, a man-to-man corner. Because if you play man like Jalen Ramsey, you are on an island, and they are expecting you to shut that guy down. And you could play great for the majority of the game and you get a defensive pass interference or get beat deep and everyone's like, Oh, he's no good. Well, wait a second. He shut down this guy for the, the entire game. And I remember playing against, you know, great players like a Bruce Smith or a Derek Thomas. Like I was in high alert. Like I would like want to vomit before the game because I knew I was getting ready to walk out onto the field and having to go play these guys every snap for, for 60 minutes. And there was no margin for error. And it, it, and it is a different mentality. And I was oh, I was always so damn jealous of the D lineman. I'd be sitting there looking. I'd be in my locker getting ready, real quiet, like just to myself, like mentally, like re- like rehearsing, like replaying, like going through the game plan and like visualizing blocking somebody or whatever. And I look over at the D lineman and they'd be all high fiving each other, like dancing, listening to music, eating food, laughing. Tell I'm like. There's something's wrong here. Like I like, how do I get that life? And the reality is, I just you know I couldn't rush the passer. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, that's how you didn't get that. Hey, Tony, ne- neither could I. So you know, <laughs> it was your job. Listen, I mean, I I can't tell you how neurotic old linemen were. I remember Mark Schlera telling me when he was in Denver, they just, the the old line just passed around the the trash can and throwing up in it before the game. My son Michael was an old lineman, threw up before every single game. Uh, he played. I mean, it's just, it always amazed me because it is, it is, is just what Tony said. I mean, and, and it's been said before, it's like almost the guard position is like, what what's after, you know, offensive tackle? Well, it could be guard. What's after guard? Well, after guard is sitting in the stands. You know, there's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there, there's always somewhere else to go. And that's kind of the last bastion of a position, you know, before you go into the stands. It's horrible to say because they're, they're obviously great players. But, but Tony, you will even admit as well, it, it, it could be the truth. Oh, yeah. Well, it, 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 it's just the whole mentality. I'll never forget. And you talk about getting just sick to your stomach. In the 96, we're playing the Buffalo Bills and Bruce Smith is defensive MVP. And I'm thinking, holy cow, you know, the whole week, you know, the coaches are on me. And you would think, like, hey, Tom, Kevin Gilbright, Mike Mazur, who's passed away, but my offensive line coach, like, hey, maybe, like, you would want a game plan for Bruce Smith. He's only got, like, 100, 200 sacks, and no one's blocked him this year. And their whole game plan is like, okay, Tony, you're going to go block him. And I'm like, that's it? 
Like, there's no other like plan than this. <laughs> so I, mean, so <laughs> I remember getting ready and I'm walking out and it's January and the place is going crazy. And go, look, you know, Bill's fans, they're nuts. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I'm walking down we had to walk down to the uh, sideline to the, where we we're going to warm up on the opposite field. And all these Bills fans just dressed up in gear, give me the middle finger. And I'll never forget one of, um, one of the Bills fans goes, you're going to be Bruce Smith's bitch today. <laughs> and I, and I looked at him and, and I looked and I paused for a second. I said, you know what? He might be right. <laughs> <laughs> Were you? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I blocked, I blocked him that day. I got, I got the job done, but I'll tell you, it crossed my mind. It didn't make me feel much. It didn't make me feel any better. So, uh, so, I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I was saying, I want, I want to ask you a question about the hall and when you felt that you thought yeah. you could get in. But I'll never forget, because I did, you know, me and Kevin Harlan did the, yep. the t- TV preseason for Jacksonville when they first came in the league when Tony was, right. was, was the first pick. And I'll never forget, I had a place in Orlando at that point. And I remember my wife saw me talking to Tony, you know, because we go to practice yep. and talk and stuff. And she said, I was new at that point. I was happy you were out of the league because – when you were talking to him, you disappeared behind him. <laughs> that guy is so massively big. And I said, yeah, between him and Larry Allen coming league, I said, I sure as hell am glad I'm not <laughs> in the league anymore. So you come in as the number one pick. Was there a point when you were playing where you thought, well, maybe in the offseason or in a private yeah. moment, that, that you were good enough that you were Hall of Fame material? You know, I don't know. There were moments, Mike, and I think in all of our careers, there's moments where you feel like you belong more than anything. And, you know, my rookie year, I banged my knee up and I got scoped during camp. So I didn't have any preseason or anything. And my first start was uh, – my first game was on a Sunday night against the Packers. And I remember getting ready for that game and, you know, Reggie White's the left end. And I'm thinking <laughs> – um, I watched every – I watched like 10 games making sure he never came over the right end. Because yeah. I'm like <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> sure he never showed up. But the right end was Sean Jones who um, had, I can tell you, he had 106 sacks coming into that game. Really good player. And really good player. And I remember going in, I'm like, all right, I'm going to find out really quick whether I can play at this level or not. Because I'd never, no preseason anything. And, and I went and blocked him and he didn't have any sacks. I think he maybe had one tackle at, or one or two tackles and assist, whatever. And I remember coming out of that game, like, all right, I can play at this level. And I can play pretty well at this level. And I got through my rookie year and, and had a good rookie year. But I think the big moment where, for me, was that 96 playoff game against Bruce Smith because he was MVP that year. He was the best player on the defensive side of the ball. He was Aaron Donald. And when I went out and, one, the coaches had confidence in me to go block him by myself. And then I went and had a good game uh, in the playoff game and we won. I think then I was like, all right, I'm actually – I can be pretty damn good. And then you go through and you make all pro and and all those things. I don't think I ever – and it's one of – if I look back and, you know – we all have regrets, you know, of, you know, our careers and life and everything. I think one of the biggest regrets I had is I probably never stopped and enjoyed the moments enough because you're always striving to try to be better. And I had this innate, like almost fear of failure or fear of falling short that you're always grinding, trying to either maintain or get to the next level. And so I always, I, I knew, you know, you make all pro make all lineman of the year a couple of times, uh, you know, I mean, you know, you're good, uh, but Hall of Fame, you know, it never really crossed my mind, Mike, 
probably until, you know, I retired, I got hurt. And so my career was short. I'm like, ah, it might never happen because of a short career. Um, but you, that's, it was probably post-career when I started thinking about that stuff more than during my career. You talk about being able to block Bruce Smith. And I remember talking to Mark Schlereth and he said that I asked him about blocking Reggie White. And he's like, I actually did really well against Reggie White. And I said, well, who gave you problems? And he named some guy I'd never heard of that oh, he, he blocks, he blocks Mark, he can block Reggie White, <laughs> but he can't block this guy. Was there a guy that gave you problems? And for some reason, you just couldn't handle this one guy. You know, I'll put it this way. The only, there's only one game, I think, in my career where I felt uncomfortable. Like, I never figured, like, I solved it. Like, so even if I – like, there's – you know, I got beat for sacks. Everyone does. And, like, I remember when we were playing Tampa and a guy named Reagan Upshaw, he beat me on the first series on a late pressure and sack. You know, I could argue – I blamed Brunel at the time because he held the ball too long, so that was easy. <laughs> um, and, you know, but for the rest of the game, like – just because I got beat didn't mean I couldn't figure it out. I mean, the rest of the game, I shut it down and I mean, it was fine. So the only time I never got where I was comfortable was against John Randall. It was probably my worst game as a pro. <laughs> and it was a Sunday night game. We're up, they were 15 and one that year. You know, John Randall was played defensive end all that year, right? Defensive end, all pro. Obviously everyone knows hall of famer. And I never for one moment felt comfortable. Like most guys, I felt like I could dominate or control. John Randall, I never felt like like I had any sense of like I knew what was coming. I had a good game plan. Um, he had me on my heels the whole night. Another name that I think people don't know that was probably one of the best pass rushers and best defense fans era I played in is a guy named Michael McCrary for the oh, Ravens. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was physical. He was nasty. He was tough. And, like, when I played him, I knew I had to bring my best effort. Like, I better match his intensity, otherwise I'm going to get beat. Hall of Famer Tony Baselli with us. I am uh, I'm super happy to be saying it that way. You finally get the call that you're going to the Hall of Fame. Put us in that moment. The emotions. What were you thinking? Yeah, so the, well, I found out, you know, they voted on the 18th. I found out January 27th. And my wife, who somehow kept it from me for 10 days, the Hall of Fame called her first because they were trying to, with the guys who made it, they wanted to organize where they could come to your where right. you lived and surprise you. And so my wife orchestrated this whole thing with one of my best friends, a guy named Eric Murphy, and uh, got me over to his house. And th there's a knock on the door. He says, hey, go get the door for me. Um, he was busy doing something. And so I go down and open the door, and there's Anthony Munoz, who is the guy I looked up to, you know, right. who I wanted to play like and who I think is the greatest left tackle to ever play the game. And we've become friends over the years, and he's just a great human being. He knocks the door, he's in his gold jacket, and he just um, – and behind him is the NFL Network, and then behind him is my entire family. All my wow. kids came up into town. It, it was like – I didn't even know what to do. I just sat there, and, like, he hugged me. I'm like, what do you say? Because all these emotions are going through you. Through you and, and that was an amazing moment. But after that, I had to wait two weeks. I couldn't tell anybody. And so oh. I had all these people calling me saying, hey, we're praying for you. And like, oh, hope you make it. I wanted to tell them, like, hey, listen, you really should pray for something else. I'm already yeah. in the whole thing. Like, <laughs> pray, for, pray for world peace or, you know, kids or people have kids. Like, pray for something else besides me because I'm already in. But I couldn't say anything. And so I think the, the moment when, you know, Bruce Smith introduced me at Honors and I walked on the stage and my first thought was, don't trip. Um, when you walk out there, but the, the overwhelming emotion was now that it's like, this is real. Like the whole world knows I'm in the hall of fame. And that was an emotional 
moment when all the Hall of Famers come up and, you know, welcome you and give you a big hug. And from that moment on, you know, my phone was blowing up and my family, everyone's excited and you go out and party and have a good time. That's when it really hit me, like what this means. Oh, I mean, what, what, what a feeling that had to be. I know in doing the Super Bowl, Kurt, Kurt Warner was, was the, the analyst, and he was – Kevin asked him about it. Kurt was the one who knocked on Dick Vermeil's door. Yeah. You know, to tell yeah, so him cool. and talked about what yeah. a cool experience that was. So I, I am into – listen, I know all the stats of people who go into the Hall of Fame. What always interests me, and I'm sure you'll have this in your speech, but if you could give us a little snippet. Yep. Who, who's that person when you were young – that you will look back upon to say this guy, this person, whoever, Geiger, whatever, had yep. such an influence on my career. You know, Mike, it's it, it's it's what's been really fun for me during this process is I've reflected a lot, and and I've always told people like, listen, I didn't make myself six seven in athletic. I mean, that's just God smiled on me when He decided to you know make Tony Baselli you know who he was as you know size and everything else. And I, but the, probably maybe even a bigger gift in my life was the people that I've had. Like, I, I don't think anyone gets to where they're going in, as far as having success by themselves. I don't, I don't buy that. And as I look back, obviously my dad, um, and it's been emotional for me because my dad passed away uh, Memorial day in 2021. And one of the things when I found out the year before that I didn't make it, that was hard for me. I knew there was a good chance my dad wouldn't be around. And he was like my biggest fan and was so supportive. And, I, and I've been tell, I've told the story a couple of times. He lied for me when I was eight years old because I was begging him to play like tackle football. But the rules in where I grew up was you had to be nine years before you, nine years old before you could go play. And I'll never forget. We went down to the rec center to sign up and it, and I was only eight. You're supposed to be nine. And my dad lied. It was the greatest thing ever. He's like, Oh yeah, his birthday's this. <laughs> and I'm like, because he knew how much I loved football right. and what I wanted to do. And, and he, throughout my life, he was supportive of me. My high school coach, Sam Pagano, you know, who's both his sons coached the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck Pagano, the former head coach, yep. his dad. He's the one who I was a core. I wanted to play quarterback of all <laughs> things. And he moved me to the offensive line. He said, no, you're going to be an offensive lineman. And he taught me. How to do it. And I had great offensive line coaches at USC. John Matsko, who's at the uh, Washington Commanders, I think their name is, with our football team, whatever, whatever yeah. they're called now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he was my, he taught me how to pass block. I never had pass blocked in my life when I showed the USC. You know, John Robinson and Mike Berry, who was my offensive line coach at SC at the end and, and the head coach. Like what they did for me at SC was unreal. They demanded something out of me I would have never gotten by myself. I was all American when they showed up. I thought I was pretty good had a big head and they beat the hell out of me. I mean, just, just took me to the woodshed and just said, you know, it made me dig deeper. And so like, and there's a handful of others. I mean, obviously my wife, um, you know, what she's been meant to me uh, since college. So I I think the biggest emotion during this whole thing for me is just gratitude. Like I'm so thankful. Like I'm thankful for the people that are in my life and have helped me get here because I, I wouldn't be here without them. Uh, Tony, who's the, for you, who was the, the coolest person you heard from after the announcement became public? My wife and my good friend, Eric, who I was telling you about earlier, who helped set up the whole uh, Anthony Munoz deal. When my dad, my, it was clear my dad was going to die in May, 12 days before he died. Um, they got a, they got a, took a video of him congratulating me, for making the Hall of Fame. 
Oh man. And, oh. uh, and, and it's this video. I, and they played it Thursday night after the honor show. And, um, and, and all I heard, it was long. I actually couldn't even look or listen cause I was getting too emotional, but he said, he goes, I'm proud of you, son. Like that right there mm. was the most impactful thing of this whole thing for me. And, um, and the, and the amazing thing is my, afterwards, my wife told me he didn't want to do it. He's like, I'm not doing this because he didn't want to admit that he was dying. He didn't want right. to admit that he wasn't going to be there. Man. And my good friend, Eric said, talked him into it and sat there and interviewed him and got him and asked him the questions to help him through the time. Cause obviously it was emotional for him too. And that moment was better than anything. I'm like, sure. I don't like there was like, I don't care. You know, President Biden could have reached out to me and called me and invited me to the White House. And I'd say, no, that's great. I need to pay. This is what's really important to me. I've already had um, this moment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's like, there's nothing. You can't beat it. Right. Uh, we're super happy for you. Uh, my Listen, my retirement plan has changed here because it's you and I do an <laughs> afternoon drive in Jacksonville. And now I'm doing it with a <laughs> Hall of Famer. Yeah, okay? I'm <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll get to that. But. I've gathered here, I'm probably not going to make your introduction speech. So, and I will be at the ceremony. And I'm wondering, do you think maybe a mention in your speech at all? I mean, I did a lot, Tone. Well, I'm going to do a little research, too. I'm going to really yeah. dive in and interview people around you and find out exactly what you did and didn't yep. do. Okay. And, uh, and, I don't and stand a chance, Tony. Yeah, once, <laughs> once, once I put the pro, pros and cons ledger together, We'll right. see where it ends up. My guess is you're not making it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll be there, Tony. I mean, sit me right next to the family. They'll have a blast, okay? I'll watch the kids, whatever you need me to do, okay? Oh, I'm keeping you away from my kids. That's yeah. what I'm doing. Please do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, know, I know my boys, and yeah. they're just they're looking for trouble. I don't right. need you to help them find it. I'll provide them with the trouble. You're yeah. right. Yes, keep <laughs> exactly. them away from me. Okay, so here's what I'll do, though. Uh, next time you come on, I will do a mock Hall of Fame speech for you, introduction Perfect. speech. Perfect. Play it here. Love it. Okay, and then just feel free to weave me into your speech any way you want, okay? I mean, that's all. Okay? Yeah, literally. Uh, Sounds good. We can do okay. that. We can do hey. that. A little guts. You know what? Uh, you know we're happy for you. Uh, me, Mike, Levitard as well. He told me to say hello. Everyone associated with our show because uh, you've been a friend of the show uh, for a long, long time. And so we're uh, we're super happy for you. We're proud of you. And enjoy this, Tony. You waited 16 years for it, man. So enjoy the hell out of it, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Listen, I love coming on the show with you guys and always have. And uh, if you actually do show up to Ken, which I'm still thinking is low percentage knowing you, because <laughs> right. uh, that would be that be that that would be work. You'd have to actually do something to get there. Yeah. Um, we will have a few adult beverages and have a good yes. time together. Yes. Here's the commitment I'll make. Billy Gill, Mike Golick, Mikey A. If you guys go, I go. How about that? There you go. 99.9% <laughs> .9 chance. Tony, I am being dead serious. I don't care if these guys go. I'm going. I want to see you get into the Hall of Fame, okay? All right. I appreciate it, man. I All appreciate right, man. it. See ya. Uh, when does draft prep start? I'll start doing that this week. On this week off, I'll start to a little bit like dive into the quarterbacks at first, yeah. just to get a little feel for all of them. And I'll slowly start to dig in. But next week will be my first taste of it. Uh, and then, you know, here we go. I got to not only worry about the draft, but, you know, again, I got to worry about free agency, too. You know, you guys know my podcast, the, the show I do with Florio Pro Football Talk. 
yes, I know these guys that are going to be free agents, but if I want to make sure I value them the right way, I do want to get a little look at them where I just go, wait, I'm just going to study them for like two games, not look at the whole game and then occasionally look at him, just look at that guy and really evaluate that guy. So I got both of those things kind of on my radar right now. Chris, that is the absolute perfect setup for this new game that Stugatz created called yeah. Where Are They Going to Play Next Year? Okay. You want to know how it works? Stugatz, <laughs> Mike, and myself will give you a player, and you will then tell us where they're going to play next year. Okay. And are we, like, going to play this right now, or can we wait till I get and look no. at free agency stuff no, a little don't look, bit? Don't look at free agency, and Listen, also while you're yeah. at it, if you're off next week, don't bother looking at QBs for the draft. We were talking about this before you got on. Bad draft class. Don't waste too yeah, much terrible. time on that. Yeah, yeah don't. Yeah. Okay. Don't waste too much time. All right. On I mean, All right. Seriously. Listen. I mean, you're right. It doesn't seem great. I, it doesn't seem great. But the day I start to listen to Billy Gill and Stu Gotts about <laughs> you know the draft class, on, then it might be my career's coming to a f- end. So I'll, I'll see. Let or me just beginning. I mean, or just beginning. You're right. <laughs> Do you All need right, us so you... to run through the rules again? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I think I got it. I think so, I got listen, it. I we know, know you're on right. and from New Jersey, but I got it. I got oh, it. We'll get to your hair in a minute. You understand the game, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, good. All right, let's start with the obvious one, Chris Sims. Unbuttoned podcast, BFT with Mike Florio. And uh, all over your Super Bowl coverage last Sunday. We'll get to that as well. Where are they going to play next year? Aaron Rodgers. If you made me put money on it right now, first off, I think we can do this with Aaron Rodgers. Like, I, I would be shocked if he gets traded within the NFC, right? That's not going to happen. I mean, the last thing LaFleur wants to see is, like, Aaron Rodgers on the 49ers or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, coming into Green Bay or they're going into their stadium and they got to play and watch Rodgers with a new team go to the Super Bowl. There's no way that happens. So if it does happen, it's going to be AFC for sure. I think if you made me lay money down on it, I would say the Denver Broncos. I would. That would be my money bet. I do think places like the Steelers, places like the Miami Dolphins, Indianapolis Colts, maybe depending on Carson Wentz, right. I could see those being three viable options because the teams are set up and pretty damn good. But I think ultimately the fact that there's a common relationship, and I think Rodgers, even though to start something new, is going to want a comfort with somebody that he has a relationship, I would bet on Denver if he made me bet. So San Francisco, right, his offensive coordinator is there. He's on record, I think, as saying he's going to do everything he can. But the the 49ers are not an option. Your boy Kyle. I, I can't imagine. First off, didn't want to trade him to the 49ers last year. And the 49ers made a run at him. It's well documented. We know that. And I just don't see that. No, I think, you know, within the just the normal competition in the NFC playoff picture, the Packers, even without Aaron Rodgers, are going to still look at themselves as a playoff team. Right. And – I think then you add in the personal relationship between LaFleur and Shanahan. I think that makes it doubly not to happen just because he's going to go, wait, I don't want to see Shanahan get there with him. And now everybody go, wait, why LaFleur couldn't you get there? But Shanahan could. And that's what I'm sure they would like to avoid that scenario. If he ends up going to the Dolphins, does Mike McDaniel give them a better chance of getting Aaron Rodgers because Aaron respects him? I think so. I do. I will say that. Now, I think Mike McDaniel is good for Tua, and we'll see where we go from, you know, there. I I think, you know, they're they're going in with Tua, but let's see where this Rodgers thing plays out. And if he gets offered up to them for a price that they look and go, damn, we can't turn it down, 
I would not be shocked. And then I think also to your questions to God's, yeah, again, it's going to be Mike McDaniel. I don't know him all that well, but know him, and he's part of the coaching tree. And I know the offense and a lot of the rules and the things that go along with it. I could certainly think and see that being a little bit of a leg up for Miami if it does get to that. Right. Yeah. Where will they time. play next season? <laughs> Carson Wentz. Oh, man. What I want to say is he won't be playing. He'll be holding a clipboard as a backup quarterback. I mean, that's the first thing I want to say. You know, again, I, I think it's going to be dicey. I think the music and an open chair is going to have to just all fall right for him to be somewhere as a starter. You know, one of these teams that's maybe looking for a quarterback doesn't get somebody, and now they sit there and go, oh, crap, we got nothing. All right, Carson Wentz, it wasn't that bad last year. Maybe we could make it work, right? I could see that being a scenario where he's a starter, but I could also see him, you know, being left without a seat as far as the starting quarterback and then end up being a backup somewhere. All right, I'll throw one out to you. I don't, and again, I don't know, and I'd like, you know, I'd like to say it again. I'd like to study free agency a little bit more, but you guys are three assholes who are going to put me on the spot four days after the Super Bowl. <laughs> just uh, a game. I wow. mean, you know, yeah, it's not nice to say about Billy. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I, I'll take it back from Billy. All right, but um, I'm going to say Washington. I'll throw out Washington. Well, Washington is a like team that, that needs yeah. a quarterback. I could see them drafting a quarterback and going, hey, let's bring Carson Wentz here. Maybe he'd be a bridge QB type of guy. Uh, they do have talent. You know, Wentz, again, it wasn't great. I think there's some things that went on behind the scenes that probably annoyed the Indianapolis Colts to a degree. And even though the play wasn't bad, it wasn't great either. It was just – it was okay. There were some good moments, you know, sprinkled in with a lot of average moments. Uh, but Washington's a team I'll throw out there right now with the, the current look of the landscape. Wow. All right. So remember, name, where are they going? Fitzmagic. Oh. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm, that's a good one. You know, Fitzmagic, I do think, is done as a starter. That's not going to happen no matter what. But I could see if he decides he wants to play – to go be a backup for one of these young quarterbacks somewhere or a team that looks at it and goes, wait, we got a pretty good team and we'd like not to, you know, have it totally screwed over or ruined if our starting quarterback gets hurt. So it would be something along those lines, you know, again, maybe a doubt. I'm just, I'm throwing out names here. Just a Dallas, Arizona's not, Oh, they got Colt McCoy. They're okay. Yeah, man, boy. maybe Cincinnati we're yep. looking at a little bit. Maybe that backup would be even questioned to a degree. New England, I don't think he's their type of guy. Uh, ooh, let's, you know, I, man, he's a tough one. I don't think he's a starter, like I said. So, But you got my guess as far as a scenario there. I'll, I'll throw um, the Jacksonville Jaguars. In the, I'll say Jacksonville Jaguars. little veteran backup for Trevor Lawrence. little veteran like backup, yes. right, trying to build something, something like that. You know, I, I also was sitting there thinking about, like, the Detroit Lions, depending on where they go. But he's got a lot of connections to the league as far as coaches he knows. And well, has he's played on every team, so I know, that's why. So, <laughs> I know, it's hard. It's hard to, like, connect dots with him because there's a lot of freaking dots. I love Billy going with Fitzpatrick. Uh, Russell Wilson. That's the one I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow, somebody like that. I'm gonna wow. go Steelers. So that would be yeah. Badass, I do think. Man. I think the Steelers are gonna make a play for one of these quarterbacks this year. Okay. I do. Yeah. I, I think they look at it and go, "Wait, our defense is still damn good. 
We got receivers. We got a good young tight end. We got the running back. Yeah, the offensive line, which is young still, too. It's coming along. We add a piece or two there, and I think they look and we add a quarterback. I think they're going to look at it and go, damn, we're right back in the mix as one of the better teams in the AFC. Because another one where I just go, I don't know if Seattle is going to want to trade him within the conference. That's where I look at that a little bit. So then, I don't know. I I don't see Houston Texans. I don't see anything like that, you know. Uh, So, yeah, I'll say Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, how about Kirk Cousins? He's going to be the Minnesota Vikings. They're screwed. They got no other way. He's going to be there. He's got a guaranteed contract. You know, I don't think anyone's going to trade or try to make that type of move, right? So that one – and Kirk Cousins, listen, he deserves to be the starting quarterback in the Minnesota Vikings. I shouldn't have said they're screwed. Kirk Cousins is it very It's funny good. that you said it, though. I got to be honest. I know. I know. <laughs> well, because, you know, I work with a guy in Florio who's like – he loves the Vikings, but – He's also wants Kirk Cousins to be like a top five or top 10 quarterback. And that's just right. not going to happen. No, he's a top not. half of the league quarterback. There's no doubt about that. But he you said, you told us he's good enough. He's good enough to get you to a Super Bowl on the right Definitely. team, right scenario. He's good enough. You put him on the 49ers and they yeah. might have won two Super Bowls already. That, that would be my, he's definitely a big degree or a notch up from Jimmy Garoppolo as a player and a thrower. And yes, he's a guy that, needs a system he needs a little support like he's not you know Watson or Rodgers or Josh Allen where it's just like even if we call a horrible play I could still make it work that's not him he's below average athletic ability for a starting quarterback in 2022 but in a place like yeah San Francisco or that he can make it work and deliver it and and make all the right decisions all right you mentioned him earlier Jimmy Garoppolo oh that's a tough one it is. I don't know where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to end up. I'll say the Houston Texans. Okay. Mm. Or Green Bay could be a possibility too, yeah. for sure. Yeah. That Jimmy Garoppolo's life or starting quarterback life is really, you know, like another one of these guys. I think it's going to depend on who kind of gets left out of the big quarterbacks that are available. So that's where I look at that. Um, but I, yeah, I would say it's you know Houston just because there's some New England people there. Right? That makes sense to me. Yeah, I forgot about the New yeah. England people there in the front right. office, and so that makes a yeah. lot of sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I think the Texans is the one, if you made me put money, I'd go with that. Okay. Jameis Winston. <laughs> oh, wow. Led the league in passing two years ago. Yards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, is another guy that I'll say I don't think he's going to be a starting quarterback. Wow. I think that ends. I think really? he's got to be – I do. I think he's got to be a backup. I think, you know, again – even with the Saints, that it wasn't bad, I think that they saw enough to know that, that he wasn't the future. They managed him. Sean Payton did a really good job. Winston at least didn't do crazy things. To me, the Saints' offense exposed some flaws in Jameis Winston's game. It really did. Where he was in this Tampa offense where it was aggressive and throw the ball down the field, and you just went, oh, it doesn't freaking matter. Those are hard throws. It's just a high-flying offense. You know, you watch him in New Orleans, it's more a little more precision-based. It's a little bit more about dissecting people, five, eight-yard throws. He's got a slow delivery, and he's not very accurate with those type of throws. So I'm going to say he's a backup somewhere. And, 
You know, again, it's hard to figure out the backups right now. You jerks for doing this to me. I know. We love um, doing it to you, though. Yeah, I know. And you're, you're so, so good nice. at it, too. You're playing. Thanks a lot. Thanks. You're Thanks. playing along nicely. Listen, no one's going to, especially our audience, they're not going to hold you to this. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. This okay. is all fun. If I'm like the Dallas Cowboys, I'd be looking at a guy like Jameis Winston. There you go. Yes. You know, yes. just going, damn, we're kind of good. I don't want to give it to one of these no-name backups we got. Let's go with a guy that at least we know has played and can get Dak's the ball to Amari Cooper and CeeDee yeah. Lamb if we want to. Dak's been injured before. I think that makes sense. Yes. Yes. Right. That's a good one. The rookie quarterback from this year's class that you expect to make the biggest jump in year two is who? I'm going to go with my guy. I'm not backing yeah. off my guy. Good. I was I'm hoping not. You would say not that. with the yes. way that ended. Zach Wilson, the way he looked the last five, six weeks of the year, too many games where I went, whoa, holy shit, that was a good throw. Whoa, holy crap, that was a, a great job moving or getting out of the pocket. I mean, he made a lot of big-time plays down the stretch. You know that. You were watching. Yep. You know, again, don't look at the stats or the quarterback rating or all that. I expect him to be the guy next year. I think he's going to be the guy that's going to jump on the scene and everybody's going to go, oh, he's looking like he was the best of that rookie class. You wow. asked him that knowing he had to say Zach Wilson no, so that you can feel better about the no, Jets quarterback. No, 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 Mike, you're wrong because if Sims thought things have changed throughout the season, he'd tell you. He would. He'd I would. I I'm sure he would. Too. Tampa Bay, yeah. who will their QB be? He's getting annoyed. Yeah. Um, who will they <laughs> it's not going to be Blaine Gabbard. Jameis? No, definitely not. And no, they don't want Jameis, Jameis back. either. Yeah. Why wouldn't Aaron Rodgers consider Tampa Bay just out of curiosity? Oh, NFC. NFC. Well, they got to trade him there. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the thing. So yeah. that's where I just don't see that happening. I wouldn't hold them out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes at some point. You know, I don't know. Maybe Seattle. Maybe they'd be comfortable throwing them down to to Tampa with that, you know, current landscape there. Tampa's a hard one. I really don't know. If you made me put money, I'll say Deshaun Watson. Okay. Do you think he's coming uh, back next year? Like, you think he'll start for someone? I do, yes. He's too good. Oh, Billy, uh, he can play. He'll start, yeah. Well, he could play too, this he's year. He's too he good. Right. And it's just, you know, again, it's just going to be about the owners and the current status of all the law issues about where that's at and what owners are comfortable with where it's at. The Miami Dolphins, yeah. they were going to do it. They wanted to do it, but Stephen Ross wanted the 22 civil cases settled first. Mm -hmm. He wanted that at least settled, and then he would do it. And that stopped it all from happening. So, again, it's going to be on the owners a little bit to see how they feel about the situation. All right, Chris, just quickly, because uh, we want to talk to you about uh, you uh, dancing with the kids during the halftime show. But what were your takeaways from the Super Bowl? Did you enjoy your experience, by the way, doing the pregame show and all that stuff with the uh, with NBC? Loved it. You were great. Loved it. You know, it was. It was really cool to be out in L.A. again for the Super Bowl. That stadium was the coolest stadium I've ever seen or been a part of. Amazing. It's made for the Super Bowl. Yeah, everything was awesome. Started off on Santa Monica Pier, you know, being on the field pregame before Super Bowl, the energy in the stadium. It's second to none. It's a great experience. The halftime show was absolutely amazing. The game itself was good, not great, but it stayed close and it came down to the end. Everybody in the world knew that there was problems with the pass protection of the Bengals. Right. And their plan of attack was, I just hope we do better. That's what they did. They just went, we, ho we're, we hope we'll do better. We're not <laughs> going to do anything different. We're just going to hope. That's really good to do for the Super Bowl. Just hope.
We're right. going to hope that All Joe right. Burrow bails us out again, right? Right. So <laughs> that was disappointing. And what I mean by that is no screens thrown, like we talked about last week, against the defense that's the worst in football at defending screens. You know, they only let the tight end stay in and block on one play to keep extra people in the box, Dugats. Guess what happened on that play? 75-yard touchdown pass, but never did it again. Don't do it again. It was too successful. Get away from it. And Yeah, I mean, so – that I don't understand for sure on the offensive side of the ball. The Bengals' offense really got dominated in the football game. They had one drive, and then they had one big pass play to Jamar Chase and one big pass play to T. Higgins, and that was the whole game for them. And the offense. Higgins play should not have counted. So Right, and it was pass interference, right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I look at that, and I was a little underwhelmed by the Bengals' plan of attack on that side of the ball. Defensively, the Bengals played well. I think they were in deep trouble if Odell Beckham Jr. stayed healthy, though. You know, the way McVay can use Cooper Cup and Odell when they're on the field together, he can really put you in a bind with schematics, you know. And then what happened is when he got hurt, it emboldened the Bengals. There's nobody on the field to be scared about at all. So they went, okay, let's just double Cup and we'll play man-to-man against the rest of these guys. They're going to be disappointed as the game when they watch back the film that they didn't play more man-to-man. The last drive of the game, it was Almost all zone coverages until they got down inside the five and eight yard line there. But that's, you know, so you saw Cooper Cup catching balls against the middle linebacker or running through zones. That was a mistake, in my opinion. Rams game plan wasn't special either on the offensive side of the ball. But I think they looked at it like, hey, we're better and we don't feel any problems. And as long as we're healthy, we're going to move the ball. Stafford's performance was really damn good. I wish people would give him a little bit more respect for one of the clutches drives in the history of football, and then playing with no run game, a third-string tight end, no Odell Beckham Jr., you know, it's Cooper Cup and no Jefferson. Yeah. No Higby, right. You know, and the set, the backup, Blanton, he got hurt in the second quarter too. So they were really, you know, handicapped that way. I give him a lot of credit. Defensively, here was the big thing to me. In the third quarter, the Rams – not that they blitzed more, but they changed their defensive fronts more. And they found some ways to get uh, Aaron Donald one-on-one. They lined up people over the center so he couldn't go out and help Aaron Donald with the guard do that. They did it, brought a few five-man pressures. So that's where I look at that game. I think clearly that the Rams were the better football team. Clearly it was pass interference. I want people to watch my Wednesday What the Happened podcast because – Really, at the end of the game, I'm so glad that the flags were thrown by the referees because the Bengals decided to hold every play. And I point this out on my podcast and show still frames. They were going to call the bluff of the refs and go, we're going to hold. We don't think they'll call the flag in this moment. And that was P.I. or defensive holding on Wilson, let alone please watch my podcast. Every play, the last six plays of the game, were all defensive holding and pass interference. Um but either way, like I said, I think the Rams were the better team. And I think if Odell stays healthy, they probably win by 10, 13 points. I totally agree. I think the Rams were on the way to blowing them out. Uh, Unbutton right. Podcast is the podcast that you should check out. Also, PFT with Mike Florio. I thought in a weird way, Beckham in his absence was the most valuable guy on the field. It's crazy. Yeah, since, no doubt. Right? It's no doubt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt. You know, because McVay is so smart. He knows how to dial up the play for Cooper Cup to be the first read. But he makes more times than not Odell the second read. So you want to play man and double? Okay, you took Cooper Cup, but now you got a guy one-on-one on Odell, and they love that matchup. And then with also within this, the zone schemes and everything like that, what music is that? What are you, uh, what, what is, is that, that? use? 
Is that it's not, coming, it's not coming from me. I love the music, though. It's, it's definitely really? not coming from me. It's not me. That was Billy all the it way. It was Billy. Billy touched something and he just turned it off. You're full of crap. Huh? I felt Billy, like I was in a strip club like, for a minute. Billy, that sounded like <laughs> I was gonna say that sounded like porn music. That sounded like like he's been watching Pornhub and he's just jamming it loud. Like, oh yeah, let me get into this today. <laughs> You're right. It was. <laughs> just admit it. Debbie Does Billy. Dallas by Billy Gill. <laughs> <laughs> Come clean. No pun intended. <laughs> with Sims but I'm with, with you on your Odell thing. I'm with you on your Odell okay. thing for sure. All right. Bengals blew a few opportunities early. I thought Zach, Zach Taylor's to go for it on fourth and one was a bad decision on that second drive in the midfield. You know, gave the ball to Rams there. That fourth and one, you know, Joe Burrow had somebody open in the flat. He also sent the back the wrong way. There was issues. The Bengals made some mistakes, but like we said, I think the Rams were the better team. All right, so Billy was very excited. He texted you, texted us back. Thank you for doing that on Super Bowl Sunday. You were working. You got real. You were dancing with the kids halftime show. Look at you, Sam. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, I know. I didn't make it down. All right, I did. Right. I, I, I was. I like so. You know, when you do the pregame show and all of that. You don't have like credentials to go on and watch on the field, right? I'm only for the pregame show to be on the field. So once the game starts, I got to get off. I went into our NBC office and watched the game on TV. You know, I had about four or five TVs. I could see every angle, you know, replays, everything that way. At halftime, though, I got out of that office, and I went and sat with my kids and the wife and watched the, watched nice. the halftime show with them. Coolest halftime show I ever saw. I loved it. Great. I mean, I really did. And the great. stadium was jamming. I thought it was really cool, but – no, sorry to disappoint. I didn't make it out there in the mosh pit this year. I wasn't there with Kendrick Lamar coming out of the boxes doing anything. <laughs> Maria, I don't know if you caught it. Well, you didn't see it on TV. So Maria Taylor was down there. She was kind of like setting up. Hey, we're going to the halftime. And she's there patting Snoop Dogg on the back. And he's like turning around like, what is going on here? But she was going for it. Oh, well, she's awesome. That's my buddy. You know, that's usually who I'm on the pregame show with, even during the year. Our segments, we're always together. Uh, she is awesome, right? And yeah, I saw some of those pictures with everybody around her. And you know, Maria Taylor, she's cool as hell. You know, she's like, you know, an Adonis, a Greek god. She's like six three, right? I don't know if people realize that. Six three and a half, maybe. Mm -hmm. So she's very tall for a woman. She's beautiful. And what I get a kick out of, and I tell my wife about it all the time, is like I get a lot of people that come up to me in pregame to say hi to me because they really want to meet her. So they come up to meet me. Hey, I just wanted to come over and say hi. But they're like looking at her the whole time. They're literally like shaking my hand and looking at her. And I'm like, this is Maria Taylor. They're like, oh, oh, thanks. Yeah, good to see you, Chris. Hey, nice to meet you. I get a lot of that when I'm hanging with Maria Taylor. I would do that, but I would do it with Dungy. I mean, <laughs> Dungy's the man. Uh, listen, we have talked a lot about your hair on God Bless Football. We claim that there's product in your hair. It's perfect. It is perfect. Every hair is in place right now. So we had your buddy on, your co-worker, Drew Brees. Okay? And, uh, we should have asked Drew Brees about his hair. We didn't. Billy failed. And you so, chicken. <laughs> but what we did was we asked Drew Brees about your hair. Chris Sims does a weekly segment with us here. Uh, he's fantastic. Yeah. We love him. He loves you. Uh, he swears there is no product in his hair. I mean, get the hell out of here, Breeze. Is there product in that guy's hair or what? So I've never actually seen him apply it. 
Right. But wow. if you were asking me based on my own observation, thank you. If there is product in this area, I would say one hundred percent. Hey, those are those are Hall of Fame eyes. He knows he knows what he says. Wait. So first off, uh oh, there is product in my hair right now. Yeah. When we did the show last week, there was right. no product in my hair. That's okay. what I was saying. I got pomade in here right now. Right. I got pomade in here. Okay. But, you know, if I don't wash my hair for a few days and just put some water on it with a comb, it'll get pretty close to this, like it did in <laughs> California when you guys saw me in the hotel room. So I am capable of that. But, man, this is a fresh cut right here, man, mm. as you can see. Yes. What you're not hearing, by the way, is I, I asked that question first, setting up Billy to ask a question about Breeze's hair. It's the only reason he wanted him on. And then, Billy, Billy, you explain what happened to Sims. Go ahead. He's got to get out of here, by the way. Because well, it, it was going well, and I thought, you know what? He seems to be having fun. He started talking about Australian rugby oh, yeah, he did. football. He had a it was the strangest yeah. thing. Very strange. We talked very little about the Super Bowl, and then we just tossed it to the Lowe's plug that he had to do. And then Stugat just out of nowhere, like, oh, wait, by the way. And then he said the thing about your hair to try to get me to ask him about his hair. And it's like, we're going to burn this bridge right away and ruin what was a good interview. So, like, maybe the second time we have him on, we can ask him about his hair, if there's a second time, which there won't be. No, there might be. But, I mean, really? I mean, you're going to ask him about his hair? I mean, you're really going to do that? I don't think you're going to do it. I think we all do it. I didn't do it. What do you think? You've been closest to it. What's going on there? I don't know. But he's got a good got a good head of hair right now. I can tell you that. Yes. I love that we're asking. Does it look like there's more hair than there was in previous football pictures? Yes, I would say that. But I don't know that for sure. And when you're sweaty and you take off your helmet sometimes, listen, I could show you pictures of my playing days where you'd go, oh, it looks like Sims is losing his hair a little bit. You know, you're 100 degrees of the damn helmet on. You're going to look like a fool every now and then when you take off the helmet. Do you yes, love him, by the way? So God said you love him. Do you love him? It's a good question. I, I you did, know I, what? I really had a great year with Drew Brees. He, I really did. I, I had a lot of fun. I, what I found out is that, you know, we're, we're very similar in a lot of ways. You know, our love for the game, our attention to detail and quarterback mechanics and paying attention to the league. You know, we always had great conversations right there where we could just talk ball. And he's got a little bit more, you know, piss and vinegar about him than, than the public knows, hmm. right? There's, yep. there's, there's some shit there with Drew Brees. You could talk some shit. He could talk some back, you know. But, you know, he gets in front of a camera. He's a little bit more careful and, and protective of his image. But I had a lot of fun with Drew. We had a lot of laughs this year. I noticed you didn't say yes. I mean, when I asked my, my yes, friend if, he's, if he loves yeah, the girl he's with, right. and she's like, she's yeah, got a great personality. Yes. Yes. I didn't yes. hear yes. yes. I was okay. reading. Oh, you guys are, what are you guys? Inspector no, I listened, today? No, because I, mean, I said it. Shit. I said it to set it up, and they were like, yes. how do you know Sims loves Breeze? And I'm like, I'm just assuming that he does. That's all. I do. I really okay. do. Unbutton Podcast, PFT with Mike Florio. Check him out. NBC Sports, Peacock. You made us better. You made us smarter. You made us more informed. We love you, dude. Thank you. Stu Goss, is that a Northwestern hat? It is a Northwestern hat, Jabba, yeah. We play you guys in, or we played Northwestern in Ireland to start the football season this year. Hmm. That's dope. Really? It's crazy. I think we should go. We should go. Well, you want, I've never listen, been there. Has, listen, anybody, has anybody been there? We couldn't even make it to Massachusetts for Rob's party. You think we're going to make it to Ireland? <laughs> What's the matter with you, Mike? Oh, he said Iowa. Iowa. Oh, Iowa. Okay. No. Ireland. No, I said Ireland. 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 Yeah, Ireland. That's what Ireland. I'm saying.
yep. played a college football game in Ireland. Yes. Although Iowa yeah. might, might be out of the question, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys want to make fun of us for not attending the party? Go ahead. Feel free. Just mock us. Make fun of us. I missed my flight. Boom. Oh, you did, Jabba? Now I feel so much better. Thank you for missing your flight, Jabba. <laughs> Chris G and I were hoping to get at least a full 15 minutes uninterrupted of just ridiculing you guys for not coming. I, I, nothing would make me happier than if you two did that. Okay. So it would be, it would be tremendous podcasting and audio. So feel free though. Like the floor is yours. 15 minutes. Just shred me, Billy, and, my EA, and we'll have to sit here and eat it. Okay? Java too. And Java too. You better get on Java. Yeah. Yeah, Java needs take either this week. <laughs> well, let, me, let me just pull up my text messages really quick from, uh, from Stu Gotts. Okay. Oh boy. Chris, I would, I would absolutely love to come to the party. 99.99% sure I can make it. <laughs> do anything possible to make it there if you can get us the invite. Are you sure? Yes, 100% sure. I want to be there. So I well, took here, Here's the thing, Chris. They probably just had really, really important things going on. I mean, I know you had your son's birthday that you skipped to go to the party. <laughs> I got engaged two days earlier and had to uh, take my fiance away from our beautiful engagement weekend in our favorite place in the world and go to this party. But look, they probably had really important things going on. I know Stu Gatz was an entire, a whopping 45 minute drive from Rob's house. So I know how <laughs> long that drive can be and how tough it can be. I mean, they probably just had you know, big things going on. Unlike us, we more or less had the weekend off, but they probably had a lot going on. Mm. I just have to eat it. I can't say anything. I'm not saying anything. I'm just playing. They, they, I wasn't 45 minutes away, but keep going. About that drive. Stugatz missed that flight as well, so he couldn't even see his daughter's <laughs> lacrosse game that he was going up to Boston. It wasn't for. my daughter's lacrosse game. She's not there yet. She's not in college. I was just going to watch. She's going to Northwestern. Northwestern played Boston College opening weekend. <laughs> My daughter wanted to go to the game. I ended up missing that flight as well. She was already up there. Wait, so let me recap this. So not only did you miss the big party, but you also purposefully skipped your daughter's first collegiate event? Mm. No, she's not in college what? yet. What the hell was going on that day, Stu Gatz? <laughs> Tell us. What? what? What actually won the bidding war here? Golf. <laughs> <laughs> Someone Rip Jabba, he didn't go as well. I mean, come on, man. Well, we talked to Rob, and Jabba's off the hook here because Rob was actually glad that Jabba didn't come <laughs> because he's trying to stay injury-free, and there was a lot of things to throw at the party. So <laughs> that was actually a plus. So we're not saying anything to Jabba. All right, who wants to give us uh, the highlights from the party? Flip Java's coin. <laughs> Java, do you have the coin? All right, listen, Java, Mojo, you're good at this. All right, listen to me. Heads, Mojo. Tails, Chris. Okay, whoever it lands on, they have to give us the details. Mojo! Yeah! <laughs> Sorry, Chris, we love you. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy about that as well. <laughs> All right, Mojo, give us uh, give us some uh, highlights from the party over the weekend. Let me just set the tone of what this party was. I was the official host, and I had no idea what this party was going to entail until I showed up. But it was in a blizzard. 
it was snowing. There was at least 6.9 inches of snow on the ground when we got there, and it was coming down. They had a, like, U-Haul open with axe throwing in it. They had an entire putt-putt course set up in the snow. They had those big um, inflatable, like, like balls you get into and run into each other. Like, you know, right. you know what I'm talking about? What are those yeah. balls? Like you push yourself. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So then they had like two massage therapists, cornhole, all the regular drinking games. They had bartenders on staff. This was a mega, mega operation. So I just assumed this was going to be like an, a banger that we used to have at the house in the old days. Groupon set everything up. And the entire party was for the 15 winners of this, this contest that pulled up on a party bus. And essentially, me, the bros, and, and Groupon were all staffed there in just this monster, you know, catered event for these, these 15 women who showed up. They had the strobe lights going. They had the sparkler cannons, the freeze cannons. It was literally like a Super Bowl entrance for, for one of the playing teams when the women got here and everyone just got lit. I'm pretty sure someone had to carry each and every single one of those women out of that party. <laughs> they clearly had the best time of their life. They did get a little handsy. Uh, my brand new fiance definitely appreciated that. Uh, and it was just, <laughs> it was complete insanity. I saw video of Mojo making a 69 in shot and shot glasses mojo yeah i'm looking at it right yes. now <laughs> how many of those shots went down went into went inside of you mojo how many of those shots i was actually blown away because i've done the 69 shots shaped like a 69 before those were literally gone in what chris like literally like 69 seconds they were gone immediately, and there wasn't that many people that were in on it. Damn. People were taking like three, four, five at a time, and uh, I didn't really construct any mind-blowing cocktails and shots. It was just straight warm Tito's, actually. It was pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> These poor women had no idea what they were walking into because we had the squad together. We were all hyped beyond belief, just screaming all hyped up. I think they, they thought we were screaming at them in the beginning. They were like mortified right. <laughs> when they got off the bus, but they, uh, they got with the theme pretty quick. I tried to do this big hyped up, uh, introduction of the bros and, uh, big G in the very beginning when I got off the bus. Right. And they all blew their cue and ran out before I even started the thing. So it's just like six meatheads barreling at them, all hyped up. They, it happened so fast, they couldn't even see who they were. <laughs> Job, is there a part of you that is happy you missed your plane? Well, no. I mean, that's that's the thing about Nebraska. Like, yeah. by the time I would have got rerouted, I wouldn't have got there till eight-something. And that was just landing. By the time I get to, to Foxborough, it would have been, yeah. But it blessing in disguise, too, because – two flights got canceled on the way back. So it would have been a shit show and Carter has basketball today. So right. it would have been, it would have been tough, but there was too much, a little bit of FOMO. Yeah. Everything had to go exactly perfect for me and Billy to get back here. Now I'm making excuses uh, to get back <laughs> here at 8am to do a live show after the Super Bowl, which is pretty important in our industry, you know? So we're sorry we could be there. I'll make up for it when, uh, for Mojo's party too. When, uh, the engagement so we're gonna have to have some type of party here so we yes. uh, we can make up for that one mm. 
Who's in you charge know, of the bachelor Gordy, party? Gordy texted me after the uh, after we posted about the engagement, and Gordy didn't say congrats. He didn't say I'm so happy for you as one of my best friends <laughs> in the world. Let me just read the text. Let me pull it up. Oh, please do. Mm. I call setting up the bachelor pa- party. Boom. And that was it. <laughs> Not Excellent. even a <laughs> congrats. He's like, I got the bachelor party. He actually still hasn't said congrats reading the rest of the text. <laughs> <laughs> Mojo, where would you want the bachelor party to be if you could choose? We know it's man, going to I don't know, man. We were talking about this because we've done Vegas and we do Vegas right more than anyone has ever done Vegas before, especially when you get the whole squad together. But we've done Vegas a lot. So I don't know if we use this as an opportunity to get the band back together and do it big. And of course, we got all of our plugs in Vegas. So now we're talking about an even, even grander scale. But there was a thought to take this thing international as well. So oh boy. Columbia is good. Yeah. <laughs> international is scary because we might not come back. Yeah. I was thinking Tampa's yeah. good, gay funk. I mean, Tampa's always good. <laughs> Lacey I was thinking, can, uh, bartend the party. <laughs> hey, Mojo, do you think any of us uh, will be invited to the wedding? Any of us? Any, me, Billy, they, Mikey A. I know Job is invited. They will be invited. Nah, I'm friends. just wondering. Uh, you never know. Mojo and I love each other, man. I might get an invite. Yeah, man. I, I, are you going to show up if I do? 99.9%. He didn't show up at my wedding. Yeah, <laughs> I did it, man. I've been like avoiding weddings like the plague over the years. You know, they're usually awful. I try to skip them and I always had an excuse when I was wrestling. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. now I got to plan my own, man. This is I'm going to be broke as hell, especially mm-hmm. after that. Ring. Do, you have, do you have any idea when you're how long year, two years, eight years, 69 years? Well, I'm gonna marry her when she's 80. I have a tentative date already circled. Uh, it's gonna be a little bit of a time crunch, but we're looking for a a June 9th. June 9th, yeah, everybody. (laughs) Wait, have you seen uh, Jabba? Have you seen the engagement ring? Yeah, it has a six nine on it. I know you don't do this till the end, but you better give. Super Jeweler, shout out because they're in the week of you can afford that thing, Mojo. <laughs> K Funk, that's what I'm f- talking about, dude. Yep, you got to give him a shout out, man. <laughs> man, hey, here it is. I'm not even, I'm doing the Dean thing right now, not even the Mojo thing man. with this one because Super Jeweler absolutely killed it on this one. Uh, not even going all into gimmick on it. That ring was incredible. <laughs> Well above my price range, I can certainly tell you that. But they did a great job, you know, helping me through it from start to finish. It came out incredible. I posted some pictures up. Uh, that that ring is beautiful. Uh, she really wanted like kind of like an old school antique feel to it because that's what she likes. Uh, and and they they were able to deliver just that and then some and then uh, to put a little accent on the thing. And I actually had to talk with uh, Andrew Fox about this, the uh, founder of Super Jeweler. But there is legitimately a 69 on the outside of the ring on the side. I'm going to show pictures (laughs) because Grace is big into horoscopes. She's a Scorpio. So I put that on one side of the ring. And then I'm a Cancer. And Cancer's symbol is the 69. So I was able to add it into the ring. Okay, uh, and I had to explain why, because the jeweler was like, bro, you're not putting a 69 on this gorgeous ring. I won't allow it. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. So 
Much, much, much love to your number one online jeweler of all time, Super Jeweler, for creating this incredible thing. Go check them out. Uh, they're the best, and they are the most affordable thing out there. Take it from me, or else uh, I'd be flat broke right now. <laughs> all right, I'm going to give you guys the uh, the records here, okay? You ready for this? Mm. Odd that Chris disappeared right before. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. It is weird. <laughs> Someone get him back. <laughs> I'm going to start at the bottom, go up to the top here. Uh, Derek went 0-1. Jackson went 0-1. Tanner went 2-1. Carter went 2-3. Lacey, the bartender at the strip club, went two and four. She owns an air conditioning company. Mattress <laughs> Mac, Mattress Mac went one and three. Uh, I think he lost ten million dollars in the Bengals. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say, what was he had Bengals on the money line, man. If he had it with yeah. the spread, he would have won. Uh, yeah, Javon he- Curse's trainer, zero oh and one. <laughs> so weird. Uh, Javon Curse, one and zero. Oh. Uh, Ralphie nice. Junior, one and zero. Oh. Uh, the employees at Dunkin' Donuts went 0 and 2. That's when Rob was driving through with Bobby Goons. <laughs> Speaking of Bobby Goons, four and one, man. Jabba's coin. Oh, Rob went two and three, excuse me. Uh, Jabba's coin went 19 and 16. You hold on to that coin for next season, Jabba. Uh, K Funk, five and nine. Chris, well, here it goes. This is the big three, right? Because Chris is going to have to get someone famous on the show next week for us. He already got Rob for us, okay? But Mojo, 30 and 24, 555 winning percentage. Congratulations, my friend. The spread master is the winner. Jabba, second place, 481 winning percentage, 26-28. The coin did much better, though. And Chris Gronkowski, 23 and 31 a 425 winning percentage. Uh, he has to get someone other than Rob on the show. How about that? He's mysteriously missing right now. I, I think I w- did. I go one and nine in the playoffs. I believe you did. You yes. In the postseason was the Super Bowl, and I didn't even know I won it. As Chris. I know. Mojo, here's what happened. You started thinking about this stuff and then you became bad at it. And that's why you don't see job is shaking his head. Yes. You flip well, a coin. You don't think about it, man. Stu got before he even thought about it, he was winning. And then look what happened. The comeback I made on the quarter when I get out of your own way. That's exactly right. I had Daddy. three wins on Sunday. I should have finished six and six and nine as uh, why I've written down, but you know, mm. who knows? We'll you, adjust accordingly. You're taking it very seriously, yeah. K-Funk. I mean. <laughs> you got to retire at six and nine. I mean, listen, you brought Javon Curse on. Chris brought uh, his brother Rob on. Mojo brought us all together. Jabba doesn't have to do anything. He, well, no, I, I take it back. Jabba brought on Tanner. First of all, Rob got his brother on. I got my son on. So yeah. that, that gives that, tough That's a good point. Yes. But Jabba, had you lost, who was the celebrity you were planning on calling to get on? I just want to see what I, we lost I, out was, on. There was a few that I had in mind. I had sent some feeler texts out just in case, but then I was like, eh, because we were talking about Roger, and I actually had just uh, – one of his younger sons had just followed me on Twitter. So that was going to be a leak because we had talked about it. Um, the one I really wanted to get on, and it might as well – I don't know how, but I was going to get BJ Upton because that's kind of how it started. Yeah. <laughs> but still, nothing. Crickets got ghosted again. Hmm, he's man. worse than he's worse than Stu, trying to get Stu Gatz to show up somewhere. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. More shots at me. I wanted you to all take shots. Where the hell did Chris go? 
Uh, who knows? Hopefully he's he trying to get Brady on. Sucks. He's trying to get back in. <laughs> Hopefully he's getting Brady, Mojo. That's what he should be yeah. doing. <laughs> K-Funk, K- who would you have brought in on? Hey, I flip a coin, man. I got a whole bucket full of people over here. Oh. <laughs> na- na- name a couple. Name a couple. Pick a player, dude. I'll, I'll get him. I'll make a call. Wow. Really? Oh, excuse us. Patrick Mahomes. Wow. I'll do some digging. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Look at you. I got a story about Patrick Mahomes for you. I don't know if I've told it before on this show, but please do. We were at Shaq's fun house at the Super Bowl one year. Right. And it's like literally the most crowded packed party ever. It's like always the highlight of the Super Bowl week. And Patrick Mahomes was walking through the crowd. And as he got right in front of me wearing a white T-shirt, someone bumped into my back. And I literally poured my entire full drink down the back of his neck on his white shirt. And he didn't even flinch. He just kept walking, didn't move a muscle, and just kept on his way. Whole drink down his white shirt, ruined. Wow. The three of you know Chris very well, so you know who Chris knows. So who do you think Chris should try to get on the show for us next week? Like, who do you think? I'm going to start with Mojo. Mark Cuban, dude. He owns a piece of ice shaker still, I believe. All right, so you want Cuban. Mojo, who would you have gotten, by the way? Shoot, I don't know. All I know is when I bring a guest on, they stay. So mm-hmm. would have had to have been someone that fit the group well. Right. I mean, I'm not picking guys that are just good for one-offs. We right. got Jabba and Kristen, and now they're regulars on the show. So Right. And you never really had to you, re- you never really had to think about it because you were you were in the lead the entire year. You were the spread master. So can I comment on that briefly, by the way? Sure. I'm called the spread master because I'm the master of the spread. I dominated this season just week in and week out, piling up victory after victory after victory to the point where it was never a discussion of who was going to win this contest. But after all of this, I have one question to ask. The spread master formally wants to know what does the spread even mean because i I never Never change mojo (laughs) so are you telling me it's not just picking the winner and the loser like taking the points what the hell is that (laughs) what does that even mean i'm not gonna tell you (laughs) why does it say plus four one week and then it says minus four the next week why is it not synonymous and consistent what is this right you're better off not knowing all right so we think chris is going to get on mark cuban next week is that what we're is that what we're thinking well he should also bring in a rod because a rod was or still is a part owner of ice shaker honestly we should just bring in all the people from shark tank that bid on his uh company that would be amazing. All right. Let's are we all in agreement? That's because I'm going to hang when we're done. I'm going to text Chris and tell him this is who he has to get on. So let's all I actually <laughs> like doing it. No job. I like doing it with him. Not here. OK, yeah, he, can't, yeah, he, can't, he can't bite back. Don't let him in. Oh, he's you're him in? Back. oh, he's back. In. Oh, that's right. gonna happen. Well, well, let's tell him what he missed. OK, <laughs> you're the loser, by the way. OK, you finished the last place. Sorry. <laughs> We discussed which celebrity that uh, who you're going to bring on next week because that's your obligation for losing the bet. Yeah. Your task is now, as loser, you have to get um, Mark Cuban and A-Rod and all the Shark Take investors of Ice Shaker 
on the show. But not only that, you have to get them all at the same time when it's convenient for us. <laughs> <laughs> so you just tell them the time. Yeah. Uh, just call them direct. Don't go through their managers and their agents and their yeah. reps. Just tell them what time we're meeting next week, all, all five of them, and just bring them on the show. Nice and easy. Done. Yeah, that's easy. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to pitch him. We're going to pitch him on a couple ideas. So. Yeah, that's a great oh, idea, K-Funk. That is a great idea. Wait, Chris, who were you thinking about bringing on? Oh, I, I thought I already got it out of the way with Robert. Family doesn't really count. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but you can lean on your family to get someone on if you'd like to. Yeah, I mean, I think this person would be pretty entertaining, though. Um, we've talked about it multiple times. I, I mean, I, I was going to bring on Gordy Gronk, the, the ultimate celebrity. That, I'm good uh, with that. I got to be honest actually, with you. I'm good with that. I am good with that. That works for that, me. Mark Cuban. That's 100% who you should have on. That's probably who I would have brought on, too, actually. Uh, Billy said it perfectly. Mark Cuban would love to meet Gordy Gronk. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Gord works for me. Does it work for you, K-Funk? I guess. I mean, we need, you we seem need disappointed. <laughs> you, you seem disappointed. I want to get yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Right, right. That's yeah. Funny. Listen, I'm I'm in the lab here trying to pitch. You know, think of something to pitch for cubes over here. But right. I guess we can go with Gordy. Job, are you good with Gord? Oh, I'm more than good with that. All right, Mikey. Let, a? Can we get Gordy to plan the bachelor party wow. live on the show? Yes. Wow. Yes. Oh no. Yes. Hey. Whoa. We should make it a bachelor party meeting um, without Mojo, though. I think we have to get rid of Mojo at that point, oh, right? Wow. What the hell? I'm coming we want to the show? No, no, no. You start off with us. We all talk to Gord. Then you get out of the way so we can plan your bachelor party on air. That would be fantastic. That's a good idea. If we don't plan it, at least we he gives us the destination. Yes. Fine. Done. Done. I'm okay with nah, that. We got to plan, plan a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. No, we'll plan a little yeah. bit, Mojo. Uh, like, I don't even need... Well, no, I do need to include it in the episode. So, no, you can't listen to that episode, Mojo. Sorry, don't. Because I don't <laughs> want to ruin the surprise for you, man. <laughs> Can I just give you a little backstory uh, on Gord just so the listeners know what to expect next week? Yes. Oh, boy. Gord was MVP of the celebrity flag football game uh, Super Bowl week. And the reason he won didn't come from his exploits on the field it actually came from off the field gourd is famous for his muscle chug where you take a glass you put it on your forearm and you chug like that there was a guy playing in the game who um he was one of the athletes and he had a what a prosthetic leg okay oh. mm -hmm. so after they scored a touchdown <clears throat> gourd ran over the guy gave him his leg he filled it with beer and did a muscle chug out of the prosthetic leg on the field for his <laughs> touchdown dance after the score. And that won him MVP. These are the kind of antics that are a daily occurrence <laughs> with G-Money. So. Look how proud Chris is. <laughs> it was probably the, the least expected thing I've ever seen. Like, I, I didn't think I was going to see that ever. Okay. I, was, like, I thought I'd seen it all. I saw the video on the way to the party, the Super Bowl party, and like, I, I didn't even know what to say. I was so <laughs>
All right. Um, guys, it was a great season. We'll talk again next week, obviously. Great season. Chris, sorry. You were, <laughs> you were the loser. I mean, you technically did get Rob on, but we need Gord. I mean, the, the payoff should be Gord or BJ Upton. Yeah. <laughs> BJ Upton. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> or the singer from Journey. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mojo, would you like to promote anything on the way out? Feel free. Go ahead. Well, boom, we already talked about earlier, but uh, Super Jeweler, I can't talk about anything but Super Jeweler. So go to their website. They're running crazy, crazy sales on everything. Uh, just the best quality jewelry on the market. The number one online jeweler officially. And they have my love and thanks and gratitude for everything they did for me. So check them out superjeweler.com go get you the best stuff on the market all right boys we love you it's been a great season we'll talk to you next week with gord okay let's do it we're done with football we're on the bachelor parties i can't wait (laughs) god bless bachelor parties yes god bless bachelor parties and god bless gord god bless gord (laughs) okay funk we'll talk to you next week dude with patrick mahomes okay God bless Mojo. Mojo, congratulations, dude. We love you. That's awesome, man. Love you guys, too. Thanks, fellas. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus.